uh, as we hear, Lord God, from your word and that you would just be with Kathy and Manda tonight, Lord. Just let your spirit flow through them and may the message just bless us all and bless them, Lord God. I pray protection around everyone and I ask you, Lord, that you would just remove all distractions while we're here together and we give you glory for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, Kathy. All right. Most of you don't know me, um, but I don't do well in groups, and I tend to shut down. I do better one-on-one. -on -one. So I'm not looking at you. You're all shrunk at the bottom of my screen. <laughs> so, and in my mind, I'm talking to just you, one of you, not the group. So I'm sharing with a friend two days from my journal about what God is doing in my life. So my dear friend, listen to this. The, the February 17th devotional from Experiencing God Day by Day was titled Deny Yourself. And I tell you, if you don't have this, get it. But it said this, Lord, I want to be pleasing to you, but I want to stay where I am. And then it said, God receives glory from his activity through our lives, not after the accomplishment. As I was praying this with Verna, I could feel God holding up a mirror. I could hear the words resounding in my being about speaking on Monday, something I absolutely did not want to do. Bobby said that she's praying for us to speak on Monday. Beware, God hears her. <laughs> Would you ever have someone pray for something for you that you don't want? Verna does that every day for me. <laughs> Tony Lee has shared the story that Bobby was praying for Robbie, something that Tony Lee did not want to hear. Well, Bobby is probably doing that for you. How can it be that my prayer daily is that God will use me. But can it be in what I do? I can bake cookies. I can sew. But speak to godly women? I can't do that. But God can. It's living in the experience of God. It's experiencing God in my life. It's living my life in the power of God. It's knowing the power of God. It's being in God and outside of me. It's how I can sit here, all eyes, all ears focused on me. I don't want to be the one on stage. I want to be the one in the kitchen doing the dishes. <laughs> Linda, your teach is Linda here? Because I can't see anybody. <laughs> is Linda here? I am. Okay. So Linda. Your teaching very much poked me because that's me. Which one? All of them, which is why I didn't want to share what I got from the Bible reading on Monday, February 8th. But this year, especially, and it's only February, God has been growing me, revealing himself to me as dormant seeds on a double dose of super strength miracle grow. And it's miraculous. This is what I've learned. 
I've learned what the power of God means. I've heard that phrase. I've read those verses. Paul can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. But that's Paul. He saw Jesus. In these few weeks, I've been reading the Bible differently. All those miracles are by the power of God. I feel foolish because I sense that you're saying, well, of course it's God's power. Well, I've always been a step behind. I'm a late bloomer. So for me, it was life-changing. I now read the scripture through the filter of God's power. I now daily submit myself to the power of God in the things I can't do on my own. Every morning, I ask the Holy Spirit for that power. And you know, God is amazingly faithful. I've been grunting around for 26 years as a believer. And in 2021, the gears stopped grinding and slipped into sync. So this was my aha on February 8th. Exodus 28 says, God declares to Moses instructions for his design to clothe Aaron and his sons. As ministers in the house of God, they will be dressed in glorious beauty. As they stand in the presence of God, they will be beautiful as God has designed their clothes. My journal notes go on to say, there's something here niggling at me and it's got to bubble up. Linda, you're the only other person I've heard use that word. I thought it was mine. So this is what bubbled up. I haven't much cared about my appearance, but I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus lives in me. How is it that I present myself every day as the charwoman, instead of the daughter of the king, it's mm. attitude. It's the mm. difference between being a genetic child in the family or a foster child. Mm. Until now, I have lived my life as the foster child on the fringe. In that same day's reading, Matthew talks about the goats and the sheep. The sheep are on the right. The goats are on the left. Duh. Sheep need a keeper. That's Jesus. Sheep follow. Sheep submit. Sheep are Goats are independent. Goats are indiscriminate. Goats go their own way. Goats will eat anything. Goats are on the left. It has been my badge of honor to be independent, to be a goat. As a result, I have been indiscriminate. And despite mm -hmm. Verna's prayer for wisdom and discernment, many times I did it my way, to my pain and horror. But this is where God brought me, finally. Even as a believer, I was a goat. But it's not a wussy thing to be a sheep. I don't have to spin my wheels. Reading the Bible this year, is so very filling. It wasn't very long into the year that I noticed that the devotionals line up with the Bible readings and the Old Testament ties into the New Testament. So the wrap up 
is the devotional on February 18th. Be anxious for nothing. We know what kind of life Paul experienced. Corrupt leaders, prison, false accusations, isolation, physical sufferings, beatings, shipwreck, imminent execution. Any one of these is more than I can bear. But Paul is the one who says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That is knowing the power of God. That is knowing that I am. Darn it, Bobby, you said cry. I wasn't crying before this. <laughs> this is knowing that I am the daughter of the king. That is knowing that I want to be a sheep. Cared for by my God, my creator, my provider and my redeemer. And so I pray for ahas in each of your lives. That's it, I'm done. <laughs> We're so glad. Because <laughs> it was so great. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> make sure you make us all big again so we can all, you could all see us clapping. And smiling. I don't, I don't, I don't want to see you. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> I'm so, I am uh, so proud of you, Kathy, <laughs> and God, I don't even, I mean, I think all of us, all of us are blessed by your words, mm -hmm. by your heart, by how you represent, how you represented what God is doing. We're praying for that. The, that's why we're coming together, not just to listen, but to really start getting involved. So now I'm going to turn it over to Amanda and we're all going to pray for Amanda's internet. Yes. And so far so good. Technology. And if something freezes, Amanda, you just keep talking. She's okay. in Alabama. It's she's two hours ahead of us. And, um, but so no matter, unless you drop off, we're going to keep going. So you just keep talking until you're done. You'll come in and out. We don't care, but we're all praying that no breaks, interruptions, or distractions. All okay, right, Amanda, sounds good. Take it away. All right, well, oh my goodness. Well, most of you may know me or may not know me. I mean, like Bobby said, I've, I have come under their biblical teaching for quite a number of years. I've been to a, a number of their retreats. I have um, been taught well by the both of them. Um, I've had other Bible teachers as well. And one of the reasons I was so excited about um, talking about Leviticus, which everybody seems to, you know, even they said last week is the graveyard for those who are going through the one year Bible, right? That's where we all fall off is at Leviticus. Um, I have, a, I had a Bible teacher at uh, my former church at Skyline. Her name is Laura Banning. Um, I think she's been going through the book of Leviticus. I think she's on chapter 11 for the last five years. So she has been teaching through Leviticus for about five years now and is at Leviticus 11. So we'll just say that. Um, I've had the privilege of walking through this particular teaching of hers that spanned over a couple of months um, on Leviticus 8 
through 10, which is the priestly ceremony. And Kathy, I want to let you know how brilliant um, and how beautifully well what you have shared today in your devotional is going to weave into what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, like you, I've always been a little bit of a step behind people. Your devotional has been my life for the last two months. It's been series of ahas and series of God just showing up and being faithful. And so thank you so much for being authentic and being truthful and being willing to share a piece of your heart, your testimony, um, where God has showed up faithful for you um, in Ahas. Um, I hope that everyone here will um, recognize the courage and the bravery that that took for you. Um, and so thank, thank you, man. For, thank you for thank doing you. that. And uh, you will all see how beautifully this weaves into what we're going to talk about tonight. So Leviticus 8 through 10, <laughs> the Old Testament had a priesthood, right? So we're learning that in Leviticus, Aaron and his sons, there's priests throughout even today, we have priests. But we also in the new covenant or under the new covenant, Jesus is our high priest, and we are the people are called to a royal priesthood. So we've read through Leviticus 8 through 10, where it talks about the priestly ceremony, and I'm going to go through all of that. But I want to share with you 1 Peter 2, 9, and this is from the ESV. And I want you to keep this in your mind as we go through the ceremony, we go through the duties, we go through what's going to happen in 8 through 10. First Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may pro proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In the New Testament, we, his people, are called to royal priesthood. So you will see how this ordination ceremony and this whole call to priesthood and Jesus's role in the New Testament and what our role is. That is what I would like to share with you tonight. So in chapter eight of Leviticus, so there's three key points you can take. Chapter eight is um, Aaron and his son submitting to the authority of God. He gives them directions. He goes through this whole ceremony, ordaining them for their service to him in his dwelling place, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, right? Chapter nine really talks about the responsibility that is given to Aaron and the sons and the priests their responsibilities, their duties for the atonement of sin for the people as well as for themselves. And this is how God's glory, God himself is revealed to his priest and his people. Then in chapter 10, we learn the cost <laughs> um, uh, and learning to accept God's discipline. Uh, and so those are the three areas that I'm going to kind of tap on tonight as we go through Leviticus, just doing an overview of 8, 9, and 10, um, and bringing in how Jesus meets us in, those, in, the, in that ceremony as well. 
So first off, the chapter eight is submitting to God's authority. So basically day one through seven is the ordination that Moses performed for Aaron. Um, he was washed. He was anointed with the oil, right? He poured over his head. Now, we know someone else who had an ordination ceremony who went through very similar steps as Moses is leading Aaron through, and that is Jesus. Jesus' ordination ceremony was his baptism. He was washed in the water. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit as the dove came upon him. And we will ultimately see that his death the blood, the ultimate sacrifice that was offered for finality, for sin to be covered for all time. So as you think about the ordination of Jesus and his ceremony and being baptized, given the Holy Spirit, anointed with the Holy Spirit, and then serving as our sacrifice, which is what Aaron did. He performed the sacrifices for the atonement of sin. He, um, so let's talk about the priestly garments. There was a coat and a tunic, which was tied with a sash. We have the robe and the ephod and the umen and the thurman that went with that. We have the breastplate that had the 12 tribes inscribed in it. We had the turban and the gold plate that went with the turban. So let's think about, do we know of any other place where it talks about priestly garments? In the New Testament, anybody have an idea what that might be? As our call to royal priesthood, what are we called to do? Well, we're called to put on the, the armor of God. So the priests put on their garments and us as a royal priesthood have garments to put on as well. We have the belt of truth. So you think about the sash that girded up the tunic we have the sandals for our feet to prepare us for the sharing of the gospel we have the shield of faith we have the helmet of salvation you think of the the turban and the gold plate we have the sword of the spirit so not only was Aaron prepared for his priesthood with his priestly garments we are also given priestly garments to wear. And that is the armor of God. Because as we go out and serve, we're going to be called to, to do that as his royal priest. So we need that protection as well. So then there was the anointing of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. So Moses went and consecrated all the tools, the altars, everything that was going to be used in the service of God in his dwelling place. Jesus also had a role serving um, in the same way. Jesus was our high priest on earth. He was God's dwelling place. He also sought time alone. We know that the priest went into the holy place and then the high priest went into the most holy, the holiest of holy places. Well, Jesus took that time as well. 
you'll see all through scripture, he escapes to spend time alone with God and pray. I was, you know, as I've been reading all the daily readings, it's amazing how many times he went away to be alone. And in that alone time, he met with God. We're called as royal priests to do the same thing. We are called to an alone time with God. And Kathy was a beautiful example of what alone time with God looks like and what he can do with our alone time with him as as we are his dwelling place. We we house him. He is here with us. So like the priests, we also have a role to play in our relationship with Jesus. So then there was the sacrifice. The, the priests were responsible at the time for the sacrifice for the people as well as for themselves. There was ordination sacrifices, which was for them. And then finally, we have the anointing of the blood of the sacrifices and the oil on Aaron and his sons. The altars, they all got the same thing, the sprinkling, the consecration of those tools that would be used for the service, as well as the garments that they wore. That was their protection, their consecration, their anointing. So they had to submit to God's authority, to every detailed instruction that he left for them that he gave them to perform out their duties. So we too have to submit to God's authority. So what does that mean for us submitting to God's authority? Well, we have to allow ourselves to be washed and consecrated, which is the first step in our submitting to God's authority. We need to surrender our flesh Put our body as the sacrifice out there. We need to, to get rid of our selfish needs and our desires. We need to take off, put off those things. And then we need to clothe ourselves, not only in the armor, but we need to clothe ourselves in the fruits of the spirit. Those things that are what God gives us as a reflection of who he is in us. We were created to be our true authentic self. And Kathy did a beautiful job expressing a piece of her authentic self today. It's important for us as we are created in the image of God to know what the image of God looks like in and through us. And Bobby touched a little teeny bit on this last week. I know part of my journey over the last couple of months and making this pilgrimage with you through the through the yearly Bible. Um, you know, God is my identity and who I am and who He created me in His image. And I've been getting to know myself so that I can recognize God's image in me. So I think there's something to be said to becoming aware of who we are, who God authentically created us to be. Um, so just a food for thought about getting to know you 
as you get to know God, he will reveal that to you. Um, it's been quite a journey to discover the amazingness of God's knitting of me and how he created me to be, which is very different than what he created Kathy to be or Verna or Sherry or Bobby or TL. But that's the amazing beauty of what God creates. So we also have to be teachable. Um, we have to basically be Proverbs 8 with God. We have to seek wisdom, seek understanding, seek knowledge, seek insight. That is how we get to know who God is and what he has for us. So what in your life might you have that needs to be surrendered to God, to put on the altar, to be sacrificed, to be surrendered and covered with Jesus's blood, washed and consecrated from you? I want you to give some that some thought. What could be blocking God's, God's full authority over you? Okay, so let's go on to chapter nine. Again, keeping in mind that we are also called as royal priests. Chapter nine is about the responsibilities of the priestly duties, um, the sacrifices, the purifying, the cleansing, um, the responsibilities of the priests within God's dwelling place so that God could reveal himself not only to the priests, but to his people. So they honor God's instruction and they tend to the dwelling place. So some of the things that we see happen in chapter nine is the sin, burnt grain and peace offerings carried out for the atonement for the priests um, in five through six. Um, then we have the sacrificial offering performed by the priest for the atonement of the sins for the people. We see Aaron and Moses, or we see Aaron give a blessing to the people, and then Moses and Aaron retreat into the tent of meeting. Then they come out, they give another blessing, and in obedience to what they've been called to do, God reveals himself to the people. His glory shows up. So that's the importance of the obedience to God's dwelling place, right? The obedience to what God has called of his people, us as royal priests, Aaron as royal priests to their duties for the people and for themselves to be his dwelling place. We have responsibilities and duties as well. You know, going through the ordination ceremony, clearing out the things that need to be gone from us, letting go of the selfish needs and desires and allowing God to reveal himself to us. Like he has revealed himself to Kathy through her devotional, those aha moments, the goat versus the sheep. I mean, who doesn't want to be a sheep? <laughs> after that message, right? Um, you know, but we're called and we're set apart as God's people and we have a responsibility 
to tend to God's dwelling place. So what did God do? He showed up to the priests with his glory because they honored and obeyed his instructions. He showed up to the people because the priests and the people provided what they needed to have their sons, their, their sins atoned for. Obedience to instruction allowing God to reveal himself. God gives us the ability to reflect his glory through revelation, through praise, through worship, that we give back to him, our offerings back to him, our praise, our worship, our glory, because of his revealing of himself to us. So what might you need to sacrifice to the Lord in order for him to reveal more of himself to you? Kathy was a beautiful example of that, letting herself, not doing things in her own strength, but allowing God's strength to work through her. But what is it that you might need to sacrifice? And then recognize a time in your life when your obedience to God has allowed him to show up and reveal himself to you in a way that you have never seen him before. And again, Kathy's devotional was a beautiful example of how God has showed up for her through this reading, through this time, through our fellowship together. So now we get to the not so pretty part, the cost, chapter 10. <laughs> and we see that the cost is pretty pricely, pretty pricey through Aaron's two sons who don't offer things properly and show how disobedient, literally just went through this ordination ceremony. How many times have we literally gone through the ordination ceremony in our royal priesthoodness and turn around and be completely disobedient to God? Well, there's a cost to that. And so the cost for Aaron, the death of his two sons for their disobedience and their improper care of God's dwelling place. We see God was pretty angry with the other sons for what they did. But Aaron, if we go back to Exodus and think about the story that Aaron allowed them to build the golden calf. Now, remember, Aaron had already established his leadership at this time. So he already had a bit of authority within the people because they came to him wanting to know what to do. They built this golden calf. And what was the cost of Aaron's failure? 3,000 lives. So there is a cost to be paid. Now, us as royal priests, we have our costs covered by Jesus, but there still is a cost for us. Others may have paid the price for our disobedience that we may not even know of, that we may need to seek repentance of. Maybe we need to be brought into the, that's something that needs to be brought into the light that we were unknown. Um, it's, a, it's a kind of spiritual death to God, like you're being disobedient child. 
I need you to come back to me. That repentance is that, is that coming back to him, begging, asking for forgiveness. We get stuck. I mean, Kathy talked about her 26 years as a Christian and being stuck with the gears grinding. Yet in this time of awe and time with just the Lord, how it's now falling into place. We get stuck not bearing fruit because of our disobedience. We go through a pruning process. We have pain because of our improper use of God's instructions, God's call to us. I have personally walked through a time of pruning, um, a time of pain. And in that I have found some of my most peaceful, joyful moments with the Lord. Um, it hasn't been easy. My disobedience has been brought to light and it's been hard, but like Kathy, I am just basking in God's faithfulness to show up. No matter the cost for me, he still will show up. What has disobedience in your life cost you? What might you need to surrender to restore your obedience to God? So as we wrap up, I have kind of been studying that there's really two calls here in Leviticus 8 through 10. There's our personal relationship, our personal call to the priesthood. And then there's also a call to ministry leadership, which Bobby and TL have displayed for years. Um, and so I want to talk about our personal responsibilities as priests. And then for those of you who have felt called or are feeling called, talk a little bit about the call to ministry leadership. And it's all very much taken from Leviticus 8 through 10 and the New Testament. So again, let me read for you 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might that you may proclaim the excellence of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We as royal priests need to surrender to God's authority in our lives. We have to surrender the flesh. We have to surrender ourselves to him. And Honestly, sometimes that is a minute by minute choice for me. <laughs> I struggle mightily at times with that. But I know the benefit of when I do surrender things and how faithful and wonderful he is to me, even in the pain of it. We need to reveal and reflect God's glory through our testimonies how he has showed up for us 
Kathy, a beautiful example of how God has showed up for her. She has taken her responsibility as a royal priest to heart. That is her personal priesthood that is being displayed for us through her devotional today. We need to accept God's discipline for our disobedience. And a very wise friend of mine told me about something her pastor had said during one of his ceremonies. Challenge leads to conviction. Conviction leads to change, which ultimately leads to our transformation. So you think about that. When we accept God's discipline, we've met a challenge. That leads us to conviction to know that there's something that needs to change in us. And that leads to the transformation, the ability to share our testimony, our story of how he, what he has done and how he has impacted our lives. This is what we're called to do as Christians, as his royal priesthood. What testimony or testimonies has God given you that needs to be shared as God has revealed himself to you? What devotional do you maybe need to share? What teaching do you need to be bold enough and brave enough to step out and teach? Now the call to ministry leadership. So not only do we have this responsibility personally, but if we take up the mantle or we take up the call to leadership, there is another level that goes to that. And Aaron is that example. We, we see what happens when leaders fail. We have watched the news, how leaders fail. Um, so there, there is additional layer of responsibility and a bigger impact that happens to those who follow leaders who fail. So there is an exceptional responsibility as ministry leaders and TL and Bobby can speak to this because they've been in ministry leadership for so many years. I'm sure Charlene can. I'm sure any others who have been in any type of ministry leadership, Linda, um, can attest to this, that there is an additional layer of responsibility as a ministry leader on top of what we've already discussed as our call as royal priests. I don't know if any of you um, have or um, would be interested in a leadership Bible, but I have the Maxwell um, leadership Bible. Um, some of these principles are taken from there, uh, specifically on chapter eight in Aaron's leadership. Um, so I'm going to share with you what he wrote a little bit about and then a little bit about what I have gained through not only being in ministry, but being in, as a ministry leader within a church um, and being an assistant pastor. Um, I've had different roles, uh, but they all, had, all carry a weight of responsibility with them. So we have to know that we're set apart. That's part of us being royal priests. It's recognizing that we're set apart. There is an ordination ceremony that actually happens within the church. 
Um, especially if you're part of a denomination, um, as I was, um, I was part of the Wesleyan denomination and they have a process and a procedure for you to go through, to become ordained, to become an ordained reverend, the Baptist, all of those all have a, um, a, some sort of ordination ceremony that you go through. Um, there are some non-denominational churches that also have that um, structure built into them. Uh, so there is an actual ceremony that you can go through within the church. Um, within that, there is an accountability. Uh, you should be in a discipleship relationship. You should be being discipled, mentored, and you should be discipling and mentoring others. Um, also, as you're establishing a ministry or cultivating your call, you should be seeing some sort of fruit within that, in that call or in that ministry as you are starting to go out and work um, where, God, where God has called you. God's call is the foundation to any ministry. And it's easy to say, well, I don't think I hear God calling me to do that or, um, or easily going, oh, is God, is that what you're telling me to do? And try to rely on it in our own strength. But there's a couple of things that you can be on the lookout for. A call is inward. God calls come from a divine revelation in private you're going to see him speak to you in a way about your call like he spoke to Kathy about her stepping out to do this devotional he, he spoke to her this was part of her call into a leadership role whether she likes it or not <laughs> Whether she wants to go kicking and screaming, she did a beautiful job of demonstrating it. The outward piece of this comes from a confirmation from somebody else. Bobby and TL at one of their retreats prophesied over me and confirmed a call that I wasn't willing to recognize at the time, but they confirmed it. Your call to ministry will be confirmed by people around you. And you'll go like, are you reading my journal? <laughs> are, you, are you a fly on my wall? Like in my quiet time? But they know they will confirm to you your call. Spiritual leadership. Authority that comes from God, not man. Signs that accompany a call you can find in Romans 1, 14 through 16. I am under an obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So to those sheep and to those goats. <laughs> so I am eager to preach to all in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Power. You heard Kathy talk about God's power. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So also to the Gentile, to us. So you will see here, I am eager. 
So when you get a sense of your call, you're going to be eager to act out that call, a sense of passion or urgency about reaching people, whatever that might look like to you in your ministry. Example, I've gone through iterations of my ministry and all of that was a preparation for what I truly believe God has called me for. And I've expressed this in a number of different settings with different people and never came together until I fully surrendered to the process. And that is my call is to come alongside ministry leaders and build them up, encourage them, get them rooted in God's word and empower them to go out and do what God has called them to do in his authority to claim it, to go out and do it. So I am eager to go out and do that. I'm, I have a sense of obligation. You know, it's said here that I am eager to preach the gospel to you. I am under obligation. There's a sense of obligation, a feeling that I can't do anything else but what God is calling me to do. I mean, Bobby and TL, perfect examples of that, right? Not only did TL just walk through a 40-day fast in obedience to what God has called her to do, but she met him there. He was able to give her a sense of renewal, of excitement about ministry again. So there, there's, there's an obligation that I can't do anything but what God has called me to do. And they have done that for decade plus. Um, they have done what God has called them to do. And he's calling them to different seasons, in different seasons. But he's still calling us. We feel that sense of obligation to do what he's called us to do. And then third, not being ashamed. And for me, this is a huge one. This is where fear it creeps in big time. I have a fear of what people are going to think. A fear of failing God, of failing others. It's real. God is working on it. Let me tell you, that is something that I lay at his feet on the altar every single day is that fear. I don't want to be ashamed of my call. And he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. It is God's power. I think talked about God's power. It's a conviction to do what others might give you grief for or turn away from you. Aaron had established a leadership, good or bad. He established that he was a leader. That was the foundation for his call to priesthood. So what ministry might God be calling you to? Will you be willing to submit to his authority? Will you be willing to take the call? Will you be willing to count the cost? Will you be willing to be who God created you to be in his image, a royal priest set apart for his call. 
There we go. <laughs> Yay! Amen. That was great, Amanda. Yeah, praise the Lord. That was awesome. Awesome. I mean, that's exactly the question that how willing are we? We're really facing right now, and um, so many things, Amanda. I thought were so good. Um, Comparing the priestly garments with the armor of God. Um, I'd never right. thought about it that way before and how Aaron and what his, what his duties were versus Jesus and then bringing that into the obedience. It's obedience and sacrifice. Um, whenever we're reading what those chapters are about whenever they're killing those animals and doing those details, like Manda said, the obedience of every detail, you know, that was a gross job, killing on the bronze altar. And that bronze altar, the altar, you know, it says right uh, before chapter, I think it's in, uh, yeah, chapter nine at the very end, God lit the altar from heaven. So he set the altar on fire that would burn up the animals. And, and everybody had to look at that. And to God, it was a pleasing aroma. It wasn't the death of the animal. It was what Manda said about the honor and the obedience of what the people were willing to do to have their sins forgiven. You know, the sacrifice and the offering. So well done taking those three chapters and how he did it's really good comments questions thoughts i have a comment that was amazing that you made it such a dry book so interesting <laughs> that was great yeah yeah yes it's been it's been fascinating you know knowing that everybody thinks this way about Leviticus and, and having this particular teacher has, has taught through this and, and to sit through her teaching just inspired me to a whole nother level of appreciation because of the way that she is able to blend the Old Testament with the New Testament, you know, Aaron and Jesus and bring those two together was such an inspiration for me. So when, you know, they talked about it last week and literally I didn't tell them until Friday that I'd be willing to teach because what would you guys think <laughs> about Leviticus 8 through 10, right? You know, and so it, it's amazing how God can open your eyes to things, even in the places of animal sacrifice and the killing and all the stuff that goes on um, in the Old Testament and just how beautifully God has intricately weaved his story mm -hmm. through the Old Testament into the New Testament, into our new covenant with Jesus. That final atonement for sin is just, right. it's just awe-inspiring every day to read the word. And like you said, Kathy, every day, it's just different. It's just different this year. It's just, it's so different 
to read his word this time. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you guys. So Kathy and Manda, uh, both, they really did have a very, see how the Holy Spirit put their messages together. Mm-hmm. That's just so amazing. But what on a positive note, real briefly, um, what did you guys like or what kind of comment feedback would you give Manda and Kathy briefly? What kind of feedback would you give them encouraging wise? What'd you think? Charlene. I, I well, obviously the, the Lord put it together and it was really good. The fact that the personal aspect of how Kathy got it and then how the God put it together, even with butchering of animals, you have to do a calling. And for me, I'm trying to decide, do I answer this call from God or not to be chairman of the board of Salvation Army? Uh, and and I'm, I needed to hear all that. It's, it's important because it, I'm trying to make the decision. Are you sure you want me to do this, Lord? Wow. That's right. That's a big deal. Yeah. Very interesting timing. Yes. Confirmation, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Linda. Well, it was interesting. Um, as I listened to our pastor yesterday, I, you were on the same wavelength because he was talking about loving your work. Uh, what is he talking about? But then he talked about this fact that we're called. We have a capacity and we're to, to use that capacity to help God, to work with God on his redemptive work in the world. And that it there doesn't matter what state, and he used these words, it doesn't matter what stage or age you're in. Mm-hmm. You all have something to offer. Even if you're on your deathbed, you can pray, you can worship, you can praise, no matter what. And both of you brought that together. Another thing for me um, was the power. Kathy said about the power of God. And I'm, I'm doing, God's doing a number on me right now. And it affirmed to me from both of you that it's not on my strength. See, I want to do it my way. I want to take care of things my way. And I need to rely, Kathy, on that power of God. And that just hit me between the eyes. But the way both of you spoke, you both spoke with such passion and you didn't ramble. You you knew what you were going to say and you said it. You told us what you were going to say. You said it. And then you told us what you said. And, and that's, that's how I like it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it doesn't ramble. It just, it's, you're, you're on track. And I really appreciate that. And you really did. You got me big time. I agree. Excellent. Cindy, do you have your hand up? Thank you, Linda. That was well said. 